Good morning. Hey, can someone um, hit the air in the back? It's kind of loud. Appreciate you. Uh, man, thank you, Dave, for the prayer. Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. As the teens would say, we would say, man, they did such a good job, right? But the teens nowadays, they would say, that's straight bussing, okay? So you guys didn't know you're going to learn slang this morning, but that's how we're going to start the day off. So if you ever want to be cool in front of some young'uns, just, just, just say bussing, and they'll know what you're talking about, all right? So this morning, I want to talk to us about family, okay? And particularly the family of God. Uh, just, just the understanding of what the scriptures kind of reveal to me in Mark chapter 3 is where we're going to be. I think Harry sent out to some people Luke chapter 3, but uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter 3, just to clarify that. Uh, so, so yeah, it's going to be a good morning. I just want to kind of just share how the Lord's been working on me in this scripture, in this passage. Um, didn't really plan on preaching on Mark chapter 3 this week, but I couldn't get away from it. And just understanding what the Lord's kind of wanting me to say for, for us as a church, to understand what this family of God um, that we are, right? We're a family. We're a family of God. Um, we are the church. And so we get to learn a little bit about what that looks like, what Scripture really says about that, and, and how Jesus defines that. And so before we get into chapter 3, though, we're going to um, just give you a little background, right? Our, our main text is going to be Mark 3, verse 31 uh, through 35. And before we get there, I want to give you some context, right? So Mark begins straight into Jesus' baptism, and very quickly, you can see that Jesus is going to be on a mission. You know, he's, he's, he's a part of this movement, this movement that carries him all the way to the cross for us. And, and so this movement, though, begins here in Mark chapter 1, 2, and 3. But you see Jesus' ministry really start to take off. And so a lot of times, when, I, when I've studied the New Testament, it's, it's been a lot about Jesus' ministry. And I love that. And um, he, he's on this mission, this, this movement, I would say, to really spread, spread the gospel, right? To preach the good news, um, but really to, to talk about repentance. He's going town to town and, and talking about repentance. Repent. You know, the, the kingdom is coming. And so that's, that's what Jesus' mission is right there. Going town to town, his ministry is to kind of just have those conversations, preach that to all the people, you know. And repentance just really means to change, to turn away from. And so, so Jesus, for the first time, we see... He's, he's kind of coming into this world and, and shaking things up, and I love that. I love to see that. I, I get excited when I read about how Jesus is shaking things up. And, and we get to a place where um, very quickly you notice that the disciples come into play. You know, you can see that in chapter 3 um, in verses, I think, 13 and 14. You see that he, at this point, he's, he's not wanting to walk alone, okay? So I think that's a big part to, to recognize that Jesus is not wanting to walk alone in this movement towards the cross, right? Um, to come into this world as a man, um, as the Son of God, he doesn't want to walk alone. So he starts grabbing disciples up, his apostles. And, and he, what he does with that, what, what I was kind of studying there, is that he's not only wanting to walk with them, but he wants them to walk with him. He wants to mentor them. He wants to break bread with them. And, and that's, so we start getting this picture of what the family of God looks like, okay? So that's why I give you all that context to lead us into understanding that he's, he's giving us a picture of what the family of God looks like, okay? And then we, then we move into um, Jesus' parents kind of come into the picture, and, and that's, that's a pretty interesting place. It's in verse 21. Um, Jesus' parents kind of come into the picture. And, and, you know, 
as, as, a, as a, a young man with parents that I love and care for, it's exciting to read about, um, about Jesus' parents coming onto the scene, right? I get in my mind, like when I was studying that, I was like, oh man, I can't wait to hear um, kind of, you know, because you're, you're dealing with you're dealing with people who know who Jesus really is, right? You're dealing with the mother of Jesus who, who birthed him, right? She was a virgin, gave birth. The angel came and, and literally said, you will carry the Messiah. You will carry Jesus, the Son of God. So they know, they know who Jesus is. And so I'm excited to see, okay, man, what's going to happen here? And then you get into Scripture. Oh, my word, you get into Scripture, and this is what it says in verse 21. I don't know if you guys ever caught this, but probably for the first time I caught this. And then verse 21, my version says, the New Living Translation says, when his family heard what was happening, what that means is that Jesus is moving, people are being healed, he's preaching the news, um, he's shaking things up, you know, the, the paralyzed are walking, the blind are seeing, people with leprosy are being healed, and he's preaching this word that, that people have never been heard, that they've never heard this before. And so his family hears this, and they literally, this is what scripture says, they tried to take him away. And they said, he is out of his mind. <laughs> I'm thinking when I'm reading that, like I'm pumped to hear like what, what Jesus' family, when they come onto the scene, what they're going to be about, what they're going to say, how they're going to support him and, and back Jesus. And they literally say, that dude's crazy. We got to take him away, right? And it, and it blew me away when I studied that. And, and really for me, obviously there's a level of protection that's happening there. You know, they want to protect Jesus because they didn't really know, you know, what, what was about to go down and what was going to happen. But... You can see very quickly in the next verse, when you're reading 22, um, my version says, but the teachers of the religious law, these Pharisees, they arrive from Jerusalem. And there's this piece where it says, they start this rumor, right? They start this rumor, and this is where they get. They say, this man is possessed by Satan. And so there's this huge division, this rub that starts to begin, and, and the narrative of, of kind of Jesus' ministry and the narrative of his life. There's this rub that starts to begin. His parent, his mom and brothers are saying, this dude's crazy, we got to go get him. And then the Pharisees, the religious people of that time, they're saying, this dude's possessed by Satan. So there's this huge rub going on. And then we get to verse 31. This is where we're going to be this morning. Verse 31. And um, this is good. And, and like I said, I didn't think for a second I was going to preach on family this morning. But it's, it's, it's awesome to kind of see how the, the Lord just works when you study the Bible and it just jumps out to you. I couldn't get away from 31 through 35, so this is what it says. He has this encounter, right? He has this moment with, with his family, his mother and brothers, and Jesus is, I just set it up, Jesus is um, preaching again, right? That's, that, that's his goal, that's his mission, that's his movement right now in the world, and, and he's preaching in a house, and the house is full of people. And then in Matthew's version, in chapter 12 in Matthew, it talks about the disciples who are right there at his feet, okay? So just to give you some context before we jump in that, 31 says, Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus. And that's where Matthew's version says it was some of them, the crowd was the disciples. And someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked to those around him and said, Look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother, sister, and mother. So I've never, I've never read that before, honestly. Um, 
And, and that just blew me away to feel like, so here's Jesus' family, the people that knew Jesus and knew what was going to happen and knew why he came into this world, especially his mom, knew why Jesus was here. And she's at a place where she's saying, I'm going to send somebody in. We're going to get this dude out of here. And, and it's just crazy to think that that's, that's where we are in that narrative, right? And honestly, like, I don't think for a second that Jesus is turning his back on his mom or he's, he's pretty much rejecting his mom because we see all throughout Scripture, like, Jesus respected and loved and cared for that family. I think it's just a moment where he takes to preach and teach a lesson, right? And I think this is the lesson that we need to hear. Everyone in this room, we need to hear this, this picture of what the family of God looks like. And so that's, that's what he's doing. He's not just saying, be gone, woman, I'm done with you, right? It's nothing like that. But it is a moment. It's a moment where two sides are being drawn, okay? We have this moment where two sides are being drawn. And, and Jesus is really trying to explain what this family of God looks like. And, and, and he's really saying, don't be about the status quo. This is what I'm getting from the Scripture. Don't be about the status quo. You've got to go deeper than just earthly kinship, you know, biological mom and dad. You, the family that he's talking about goes deeper than that into a special bond that we all share, right? As Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we, we have a special bond. And so the reality is Jesus, for the first time, is really starting to explain that, okay? Jesus is really starting to explain this whole picture of what the family of God is, what it looks like, and our responsibility in that. Because our responsibility in that, he says it right there. Um, anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Not just, and he's trying to push us past this, this understanding of like the usual kind of status quo of, of what family is, right? He's redefining, ultimately he's redefining, redefining what family looks like. So there's two sides in, in going on here. There's the side of, of Jesus' family, the mother, Mary, and his brothers, okay? And it says in Scripture right there that they stood outside, okay? So we have that side. Then we have Jesus preaching, but really the other side is all the people that are following Jesus, his disciples, okay? So we have, we have this side, the disciples and the followers of Christ, and over here we have Jesus' family. And so why I feel like that jumped out to me is because for us, for all of us, when we talk about the family of God, it's teaching us a lesson there. It's teaching that, yeah, there's, there's times when we can pick sides here. There's times when we have to figure out what camp are we going to be in. Are we going to be in this camp over here, sitting at Jesus' feet? Because I don't know if you guys recognize, but for me what jumped out are these two words. My version says stood outside, which is what Jesus' family is doing. They stood outside. Get the picture in your head where they're, they're not even coming there to support Jesus. They're not coming there to even hear him preach, Right? They're there to say, we got to go get this dude, and we got to get him out of here. Dude's crazy. And then there's this other side that's the disciples and the people that are there following Jesus, understanding that, man, there's something different about this guy. This, this, this man might be the Messiah. And they're sitting, right? So the difference between standing and sitting, we're talking about posture a little bit here. And, and for me, that's a lesson to learn and hear and see because posture and actions are important even right there in Scripture. Because when you break down the, the word of stood in the Greek New Testament, 
in that context, it's, talk, it's, it's ultimately saying you stand firm. You kind of, you're stationary. And so when you, when you break down this word for sit, for sitting, where the disciples are, the Greek New Testament says abide, dwell, fix your attention on that. And so for us, me included, we have to get to a place where we say, as a family of God, right? What side are we on? Where are we at with that? And Jesus is trying to teach us what the family of God looks like. And in my version, it, it says, on the, on the title heading of that passage, 31 through 35, it says, the true family of Jesus, okay? So he's trying to push us past that. And so we see this division. I think that's a big thing for me. There was just this division, this rub that was going on and the narrative of, of what we're seeing there through the first couple of chapters of Mark. We saw that, the example of the family saying, this dude's crazy, he's lost his mind. We see the Pharisees come into play, and they're saying, this dude's possessed. And then, and then we see this exchange where they're not even, they're standing firm, and they're not even going in to hear what Jesus has to say. And they're just standing right there. So there's that division going on. And so for me, as a pastor, the last 10 months, I've lived in that division. And, and just for a second, I want to talk about kind of a personal place for me where, where we had great division in our youth group. Division where I felt like, for me personally, I felt like we may never recover. And, and, and really that division rooted out of some personalities that we had, that I had to make a decision and then ultimately make more decisions and so what happens when that happened, ultimately, there was a lot of side talk. A lot of people starting up different group texts, different group conversations, not going to the source to have conversations, right? We all know that. We live in a cell phone world where you just start to gossip and start rolling with it. Different version of the truth was being spread out, and, and the youth group was getting rocked. And unfortunately, it's, it spread over a little bit into to the the whole church. And so there was this brokenness within the youth group. And I've been in ministry, you know, 11, 12 years, and I was, I was broken. I, it, it was a struggle for me. But, but that's really all I want to say about that, because I don't want to be up here whining and complaining, because the reality of, of what this scripture has revealed to me is that, man, the Lord has been faithful. Like, we, we sing all these songs this morning that Nathan kind of planned out, and he's been there through every step, He's helped me realize, man, I just want to, so for here for a second, I just want to praise the Lord that he is bringing us out of that division as a youth group. He, not me, not anything else, but his scripture, his word, and what, what he's doing in the life of these teens, he's bringing us out of that division, and that division is, is, is basically disappearing. And so I just want to praise the Lord because I've, in, in that time, it was a difficult time. I didn't really know where to turn. For help and answers and so I turned to the scripture and so for the first time in my life probably more than ever more than ever I would say I've been digging into the scripture and then also the Lord kind of helped me realize that man I've got you I don't want you to walk alone I'm going to send you people church people your church family is going to support you and I've had plenty of people pray for me and support me during these last 10 months but they've been rocky and I, and I just got to praise the Lord that those people didn't want me to walk alone I remember a youth pastor called me on the district right, right when we first started and, and to the division of all that. 
And, and he called me. He's like, you doing all right? I'm like, huh? He's like, no, man. Like, are you doing okay? I've been praying about you like crazy. Like, you've been on my heart and mine for the last couple of days. I've lost sleep because I just feel like I've got to pray for you. And I'm like, whew. And so that's a picture for me of what the family of God is, right? It's, it's brothers and sisters not doing the standing firm, but they're over here fixing their eyes on Jesus to a point where they're saying, man, I'm not going to walk alone. I'm not going to let this brother over here walk alone. I'm not going to let this sister walk alone. And so, so that's, that's kind of my first picture of the family of God this morning, to understand how we have roles in this family. Because really, the family of God, we're talking about us, right? The church, myself included. And so I'm going to take a second here, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a praise rant, okay? Because when I mean the Lord came through, and He showed up, and He, he absolutely destroyed any division within that youth group that I personally felt like we'll, we'll never make it back to where we were. We'll never be the same youth group. But because God is faithful and he's that, that's the God we serve and, and he knows what's best and his word has revealed so much, it started back in April, about four months ago for our group, where that, that, that division started to disappear. And we go on this retreat, right? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about, that retreat. We went in April. And I think there's a picture of, of the teens at this retreat. Yeah, there you go. So we go on this retreat. I'll be honest, I didn't want to go on the retreat. <laughs> and not because, just because, you know, I'm a, I'm a bum. But, like, w- when you deal with teens, like, I was trying to get them to understand, like, hey, man, let's get your money in. Let's get this thing going. Who's going to really come to this thing? And there wasn't a lot of response, right? A lot of, not a lot of feedback. And so I remember the moment where... I'm just sitting there, and it's Wednesday night, and I'm like, this is the last night I'm going to give, Lord, for this retreat to happen. And so I'm standing there in the gym, and Gage Combs comes up to me with his money. I don't know if you know Gage. He's new in the youth group, sixth grader. I mean, the guy comes to the youth group right during COVID, so he's, he's already been through it, you know, the weirdness of all that. And so he brings me money, and I knew at that point, like, okay, Lord, this retreat's got to happen. I hear you, Lord. I'm going to submit to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see the sign that you're giving me that this, this sixth grader is ready to go on this thing. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. And so the Lord did such a work. You know, and you guys got to experience a little bit of that if you were at that church service where we all sat up here in the youth group, got to share a little bit about what that retreat looked like. But it was a treat that I'll never forget because we just had such honest conversation with one another as pastor and, and student and just as a family, right? We got to play together, laugh together. But really more than anything, Saturday night hit, and we, we've just been reading scripture. The whole weekend was about unity. It was about coming together, not only with one another, but, but being united in God, right, to, to seek that relationship. You know, Harry talks about all the time, love God, love people. That's how it's going to go. You know, when you love God, he's going to give you the desire to love people. And so that's what happened that weekend. That's what happened for us. And it was a powerful weekend where we sat in a room for four hours straight just praying and loving on one another and learning. And, and, and it was one of those moments where I didn't really know what to expect the whole weekend. But, but we came back different and changed because the Lord did such a mighty work. There was teens praying for one another, walking around. You know, these are teens that would admit like, yeah, we don't pray a whole lot. But they're walking around and dealing with issues and loving on one another yeah, I mean, it, it was an awesome weekend. I gave out eight Bibles, I think, that weekend because eight teenagers didn't have a Bible to read. And for the first time, they were opening up the Word and reading. 
and, and asking questions about what's going on here. Why is, this, why is this thing important? And so it was just an amazing weekend. One of my favorite parts, Aaron, I think there's a picture of some guys. Some men from the church came up, and they, they cooked for us. They, they served as lunch. And, and for a lot of people, they recognized, like, oh, okay, that's cool. That's, that's, you know, that's good. They, they kind of grilled some burgers. That's great. But it's different. It's different for this group because probably 60 or 70% of our group, they struggle with a male figure being present. There's a lot of just real issues of a godly father being in their life or just a father in general. And so to have some men show up and be there to, to love on them, encourage them, and, and to literally break bread with them, like that's a picture of what a church, a family of God is about. And so, so that's the encouragement of what the Lord is doing, right? And, and, and it breaks my heart to, to see some of these young girls on a Wednesday night because I know their stories, I know their situations, and these guys probably will never know, and, and maybe they'll know after this sermon, how much it means for them to show up to sit and play games, to laugh, to serve food, to break bread, because they don't have a father at all that's present. And so that's what the family of God has to be about. This is what the Lord's kind of revealing to me. And you guys do awesome with that. I'll give you some more praises. I told you, you got to buckle up and ready for this. So we have, we have 10 young adults working in our youth kind of team now. So, so Wednesday nights, we have a big youth service and that's the majority of, of, of their church experience. And we now have 10 young adults. Never in my ministry have I had more, more than one, my wife, who would like help me with youth group, right? And I've been youth, a youth pastor for about 12 years now. And so somehow the Lord has been working. And that's what I mean when the Lord sent me people to support me, to support the work of the Lord, to support the church. I mean, 10 young adults who are taking time out of their busy week to come and hang out for more than two hours because there's set-up time, sometimes there's tear-down time, they're there cleaning up, they're there participating. I mean, I, I thought Steph died one night because she had a, a meat sandwich of, of two grown teenagers like go after the same Frisbee at the same time, and she was sandwiched right in between of them. So they're putting their bodies on the line for these kids, and, but it, it's, it's a beautiful picture of, of what the church has to be, right? And, and I love it. I mean, they're, they're spending their time weekly to love and encourage and pray and just be there for these teens. And it's, it, it's incredible. And then we also have students leading. You see Tony up here singing on the praise team. We have students in the back on the media team pretty much every week. And they're just, you know, Lily helps out with um, the children's ministry here. And so they're just stepping up into another level because of what the Lord has continued to do, right? So instead of a division happening, instead of the, the, the kind of the talk and, you know, just the silliness of, of the cell phone, like back talk and murmuring is what Harry would call it. They started to focus on the Lord and they started to, to kind of push past that status quo. And, and so they're serving in different ways. You know, there's... I had a FaceTime call at 10 o'clock the other night because two of them are so excited to kind of start this worship ministry to, to, to play songs together. And, 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 that, and, and they're responding to kind of th this whole thought of what Jesus is saying right here. He's saying, anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So these teens are doing God's will for their life. 
you all are continuing to do God's will, and I just appreciate everybody in here. So we started just doing the summer in the curve thing. It's, it's a summer ministry, and it's been really good. It's just an opportunity for teenagers to invite their friends. And we started out with about 15, and I've been preaching probably a year about, man, you've got to bring your friends. Bring your friends. That's, that's how we're going to grow this group. Not even number-wise, but that's how your friends are going to know who Jesus is. You know, you never know, like, what teen is out there that has never even been invited to a youth group, you know, because that's my story. I wasn't invited to a youth group until I started coming here. And so I preached that for a year, and then finally this summer they started to, to respond to that. And, and, and the reality is we started with 15 teenagers kind of right there in the middle of COVID and, and, and going through, and then in the summer hit, we started this summer in the curve. And I just encourage them, man, you got to invite your friends to this stuff. Aaron, you want to show us one of those pictures of, I think it's, yeah. So that was, that was this past night. Go, go the one before. I think it was like us. We did a color war, right? So it's like come and get messy, have a great time. But what I love is the fact that they're inviting their friends to this stuff, right? Because that's, that's what a family does. They get excited about what's going on, and they invite, right? You invite. It's like you go to a cookout. Go to a cookout yesterday at Dwayne's house, and he's like inviting the neighbors over, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's just how he is, and it's, it's a beautiful thing to see. And so, so I'm just super proud of, of the teens responding and pushing past that status quo of like, man, I'm not just going to sit here. Jesus, come over here. we got to deal with this. No, they're pushing back, and they're saying, Lord, what's your will? What's your will for my life right now? You know, and that's, that's where they're living. We've got a young adult named Corey Crank. Some of you guys know who that is. Some of you don't. He's, he's a guy that's been around this church his whole life. When he was a little kid, you know, yay high, um, everybody has loved on him, and, and he's, he was a part of the youth group, and now he's starting to come and help with, with the youth ministry. And I just got to brag on this guy for a second because he's, he's living a life right now that says, man, I want your will, Lord. I want your will before my will. This is a guy that, that is, is impressive. One of the most, and I think Harry said it before, and I've always believed it to be true too. He's one of the most impressive guys I've ever met with bringing people to church. He's bringing three kids to church with him from his neighborhood now on Wednesday nights. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's a beautiful thing to see. Um, we have students serving um, in different areas, just pushing past that status quo. We have um, Harry and Anita and Rob Combs Sr. going to camp to spend, for, for whatever reason, to spend five days with teens in the, in the burning sun with no cell service, just sweating it up and, and acting like fools, and, and it's going to be a great time. And, and they're pushing past the status quo, and they're saying, I'm going to take a week away from my spouse, and I'm going to serve. And Corey's going to come with us now. And so I'm, just, I'm thrilled to see so much going on. Sherry has five adults going to camp. And, and you, you think about sports camp that goes on on Wednesday nights for the kids. That, that wouldn't get done without the participation of, of the family of God, right? Of the adults that serve and make sure archery gets taken care of and make sure that there's snacks for them to be prepared, right? Because you can't have sports camp without snacks, right? And so, so literally, your all's understanding of the family of God, it's there. And, and I'm, I'm glad to just be able to stand up here and praise for a little bit. Um, one of my favorite things when, when this was coming together, one of my favorite praises was the understanding of how generous you all, you all are as a church. Um, it ceases to amaze me financially how generous you are. Uh, we, we have teen camp coming up in just a couple of weeks, and kids camp's in the same spot, same time, and so we've done a couple of fundraisers recently. 
it's really just been in the last month we've done this fundraiser. Kids did theirs, teens did theirs, and you wouldn't believe how much money we raised. You guys in a month have raised $10,000. I mean, that's, that is not only impressive that the Lord is working through you all, but that, that you all are that generous to the life and the family of God. You know, because we can just say, oh, that's just, you know, that's just me being generous. No, that's you being a part of the family of God. That's doing your, your role as, as a family member and being generous and, and, and taking care of, of kids to be able to go to camp. One of my youth workers came and handed me a, a handful of cash to put towards that. Another youth worker that just started coming came up to me and said, so, so I, I heard you talking about camp. Like, what is that? What's that look like? You know, he's pretty new on his walk. And, and the beautiful thing is he looked at me and he's like, man, I want to I wanna give you $400 towards that. And I'm just like, so I've got one young adult giving me a handful of cash. The same night the dude says, I want to give you 400 And I'm just like scratching my head thinking, what, what in the world's going on here? You're talking about young adults who have car payments, rent, house, mortgage, whatever that looks like, you know, stuff to buy. And, and they're just giving money to support kids to go to camp. Amen. Super impressive. We even had a team give $100 for their own fundraiser. She, she put her own money in the box, because I watched her, and then she had a little note in there. And on the note with the money, it said, and this is good, she said, camp and this church has meant so much to me that I hope this helps get someone else to be a part of something. And so you recognize like how important it is to be the family of God. We've got a ton of new people coming to the life of this church. I mean, there's new people every week. We've had several different baptisms recently, probably more baptisms than I can remember in a long time because the Lord's just doing this new work. New, new members are coming. Members that have been, you know, at the house for a while, they're coming back. Praise the Lord for that. I just I love being a part and watching what the Lord's doing. And, and I hope this can be an encouragement to everyone in the building this morning to understand that, yeah, that's happening. All these great things are happening. But it's only happening because people are following the will of God. That's the only way it happens. And so people are following the will of God. There's these new family members coming. And I have this burden. This is, this is kind of Harry and I's burden. Is, is you have all these new people. And they're coming, man. They're coming. They're getting baptized. We had a whole family get baptized last week. And the reality is, the question I have and the burden I have is, what do we do with that? What do we do with these new members, right? Because my, I always, I burden over the fact that like, man, I don't want them to walk alone. I know how that feels. I don't want anyone to ever walk alone. I, I was talking to Harry getting ready for this and, and he, he told me 13 years ago, he was sitting in his living room having a conversation with a young adult. And basically the conversation came down to a point where Harry said, man, my greatest desire as a pastor of the, of the church is that no one ever walks alone. And I promise you, if he was here today, he'd be standing up and putting his hand up saying, that's absolutely right. That's still my greatest desire, is that we don't walk alone. And so may that be a challenge, right? And so the re reality is, like, I don't want to just throw that out there as like a Trevor challenge. What, what I want to point you to is the fact that in verse 13 and 14, this is how Jesus operated, right? In verse 13 and 14, you see Jesus, he didn't want to, I said it earlier, but he didn't want to be on this journey alone. So he's going and grabbing people, fishermen, tax collectors, and he's grabbing people up. And he's saying, be a part. Be a part. Repent, obviously. Accept the gospel, but be a part. And so, so, so that's the challenge of understanding Jesus is, is giving us 
this answer. And that's where you find answers is in Scripture. I've learned that for myself. Man, when you have that burden, and maybe you need guidance, maybe you have a burden, you're struggling with people, you're struggling with whatever, you got to turn to the Word. And I'll never, I mean, literally 13 and 14 came to me, and I'm like, okay, that's, that's what we do, right? We, we walk with people. As a family of God, like the challenge is we got to walk with people. We got we to gotta be a part of their lives. We got to break bread together, whatever that looks like. I was, I was out to eat with um, uh, a gentleman the other day, and, and Rob Combs Sr., and, and he's like, man, I want to go to camp. And I'm like, whew. You know, not to show his age, but he's like, you know, he's early 60s. He's a young, strapping, early 60-year-old man. And, and I'm thinking, dude, I don't think you're ready for this camp experience. It's, it's brutal. It's a lot of, like, running around, playing in creeks and sweating. And, and I'm like, so, so tell me, like, why you want to be a part of that? And he's just like, because I, I just don't want to show up and sit and listen to Harry. I want to, I want to, so, so what I hear from that is right there what Jesus is saying. You got to push past that status quo. You got to be willing to be a part of the family of God. Because that's the challenge for us this morning. You got to be a part of the family of God, right? You don't want to walk alone. You don't, you don't want people to walk alone. And so some of us are sitting out there and they're feeling like, yeah, I don't want to walk alone. And so my challenge for, for all of us who are thinking that is to recognize in a couple of months, we're going to start small groups up again. And, and it's a great opportunity. I love small groups because of this. Because there's community around the Word, right? It's not just community around one another, but it's community built around the Word of God. And the Word of God can transform your life. It can give you answers and guidance. And, and that's why I'm excited about that opportunity. And so, so even for that scenario, you have to get to a place where you say, are you going to stand firm and resist small groups? Are you going to come over here? And you're going to abide in the Lord, and maybe the Lord's telling you, yeah, you need to be in small groups. Yeah, you need to build some different relationships. So I go back to Corey Crank, because this is just a great example of a picture of the family of God. And this is why. Because this is a kid that, that literally was a kid coming, came to camp, was a part of youth group, young adult, and now he's back serving in the life of the church. He's probably watching on live stream right now. He's doing the will of God is why I bring his name up again. He's doing the will of God. He might not even know it, but he is choosing God's will. You know when Jesus says this is how you should pray, right? Literally, when we get to a place, this is how we're family. This is how we're a family of God. This is how we're the church. Not my will, but your will be done, Lord. And Crank is a living example of that. He's pushing past the status quo. And, and I love it because of this. The only reason he can do what he's doing now, bringing three kids on a Wednesday night, pouring into just some random kids in his neighborhood, is because, guess what? The family of God did that for him. Sherry and Leah picked that kid up for every single Wednesday night or every event we ever had. These are people that said, you know what? I don't want that kid to walk alone. I've got their back. And so I just encourage us this morning, as we read the Scripture, as we, as we dig into to what the Lord kind of revealed to my heart, what this family of God looks like is, is what we're already doing. But for some of us, we gotta, we got to say, man, i got to push past that status quo. What's next for me, Lord? Maybe we got to follow the will of God a little more closely. And for me, through this COVID season and, and, and the division that we had, more than ever, I understand that this is the only place where you can find the will of God, right? 
There should be a lot of amens to that because that is the truth. That is the only way you can find the will of God. Direction, guidance, help, struggle. Right there is in Scripture. So that's our challenge this morning. I think we're going to sing a song. So if, so if the band members want to come up, we're going to sing a song. Appreciate you guys listening to my praise rant and just hearing from what the Lord, word of the Lord has been for me this week. Just living and understanding what the family of God is. And, and, and the reason why I bring that up is not to smack anyone around, but, but for all of us, myself included, to be challenged to say, man, where do we need to go next? What's the next step for us as a church? What's the next step for all these new members that are coming and, and the work that the Lord's going to continue to do? And we've got to get to a place where what, what, what camp are we going to be in? Are we going to be in this camp where we're just kind of scratching our head and saying, I'm not even going there. They've got to come to me. Are we going to be in this camp where you're just dwelling for, for whatever the Lord has for you, right? And in Luke chapter 8, the same kind of depiction happens. And in Luke chapter 8, he says this. Luke's version says this. It's basically a, a beautiful rendition of what the church needs to be, right? It's this right here. Those who do my word, do my will, are my brother and sister. And so we have to be digging into him, digging into his word, understanding that we don't want people to walk alone. I think that challenge that Harry had 13 years ago it's still true today. I don't want to walk alone. I don't want anyone in here to, to walk alone. And I think it's important for us to recognize, how can I be a help in that? How can we be a help in that? As we go to prayer, I'm just excited to, to be in a place where the Lord is doing such a new work. Man, I, I'll be honest. When, when Harry asked me to preach, and he says, oh, it'll be the 4th of July, you know, because Harry's not here because his mom had hip replacement surgery. She's doing fine, and he's there getting to be with her, and he's kind of taking a little breather from, you know, preaching, which every pastor needs, because it's a major toll. But I laughed. I made the joke. I was like, oh, I'm, I can't wait to preach, man. There's going to be like 10 people here, because it's 4th of July. You know, everybody's going to be at the lake. But I'm just encouraged here, even standing, seeing so many people still wanting to be a part of the family of God. Super encouraging. Man, please don't take this, this word as, as a beatdown, use it as a challenge, an encouragement to say, man, that's, that's good. So as I pray, you guys will stand. We're going we're gonna to sing together after I pray. Father God, we thank you for all that you're doing this morning, all that you're doing in the life of this church. Lord, we praise you for your son Jesus that made this all possible. You revealed that to me in Mark, Lord, how how he's a part of this movement, Lord. And my heart's prayer is that we can join that movement of preaching the good news and living that out in front of everyone and, and walking up to people and saying, man, I want to walk with you. Or saying, yes, I'll walk with you. Whatever that looks like, Lord, man, may it be so. May your will be done in the life of the people of this church. Help us to be one body one heart, one mind serving you, living for you. Thank you for Harry, for our pastor. Man, Lord, we can't praise you enough for putting such a godly man at the head of this church to lead us. I'm thankful to have him as a mentor. Thank you, Lord, for a morning where we can be refreshed and challenged. 
Lord, if there's anyone out there that wants to be a part of that family, I know we're going to have a baptism service again this Sunday. Next Sunday, Lord. Help them to know that, man, now's the time to jump in and be a part of that family. To start doing the will of God. That's what you want, Lord. You want us to be a part of the family. That's why Jesus came down and died on the cross for us. So that we can be a part of the family. So we can be free. So we can have hope. So we can have people that that encourage and love us and pull us up when we're down. And we just thank you for that, Lord. Help us to all know that there might be someone walking alone to be challenged by this word today. Help us to not only just hear the word today, Lord, but do it. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your good work among us all. The encouragement of what you've done in the youth group, Lord. I praise you and thank you for that. We love you, Lord. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.